0: Amen. Amen. Well, tonight again, we have the Fru family with us, uh, brother. Uh, you come and you uh, show your presentation. I believe he's got a presentation. Then I've asked him uh, to also bring a, a, a message for us tonight. So we're so thankful to have the Fru family, uh, brother Mike and Sarah. I think it'd be appropriate to give brother Mike a hand and thank God for him. Amen. We appreciate you, brother. And uh, you just do what God's put on your heart. Well, we are thankful to be here this evening, and uh, I'm glad that we have uh, our kids with us too, Andrew and uh, Katie. Katie's uh, asleep, maybe, hopefully, or she's not screaming, at least. That's good. And uh, we've uh, enjoyed traveling around with them. They've done a great job. That was one of our uh, big prayer requests, just coming back to the States, that God would just help our kids. Go everywhere and meet everybody, and uh, that's been a, a really big blessing. Andrew's had a lot of fun with that as well, and uh, he's made friends in, in all these churches that we've gone to. We, we're thankful for uh, the involvement of Crooked Creek Baptist in our, our ministry. I think you all were the second church to take us on for support back in, I, I think it was almost even December maybe of 2013, um, and uh, outside of our, our sending church. And uh, uh, we've uh, appreciated that relationship. And, and it is important to us to, uh, to have a personal connection with all of these different churches. You all are um, an important part of what goes on there in Hungary. And it's uh, important to us to have a personal connection with you all and for you to have uh, a spiritual vision for what we're doing over there. And, uh, we do have a, an email sign up sheet on the table back there. And if you want to be a part of that, you can put your email address on there. I know many of you do that already. And, uh, we would love you to be a part of that if, if God lays that on your heart and uh, we do put pictures in there on when we're on the field we we write about every week or something like that and we just put specific prayer requests in there and uh, we put videos of the kids in there and, and fun stuff too so um, you know it's if you you know it's great to be a part of that if you can do that and uh, we also have an updated prayer card back there and uh, we would love you to take one of those as well. Well, we have spent about four years in the country of Hungary and we worked with two different national families over there and uh, you'll see that in the video. But we're planning to return in November this year and we will be Beginning a church play into Lord willing in the 15th district of Budapest, which is kind of the northeast side of the city. And, uh, it's the, the, it's a city of about two million people, um, the capital city of Hungary there. And, uh, we're looking forward to getting into that when we get back to Hungary. Um, I like to show our video if we're prepared to do that now. And, uh, this will just kind of give you a, a picture of what went on in the last, Four years over there in Hungary. So I should stand in the middle, I think. So we are Mike and Sarah Fru and uh, Andrew and Katie. Hungary is a very historic country. This is an old Roman monastery close to where we live right now. And uh, there's a lot of different parts of the country, villages, towns, cities, lots of different areas. People have a lot... Um, Uh, More hands-on stuff. A lot of folks have gardens and they raise vegetables. Sometimes they'll have chickens and pigs and other things, too. And uh, there's a lot of pretty places to visit in Hungary. We enjoy getting out and and doing that. Sometimes there's old castles that you can go see and and lots of different stuff. They really like food over there. That's a big part of their culture. And uh, Tibor made breakfast for us for Sunday school every week. That was really fun. Uh, in the church, bread with lard is a really traditional food over there survival food. Um, potato dumplings were kind of a specialty in the area that we were in. Those were pretty good and uh, we spent about three years with Lighthouse Baptist Church in Najkhanesia in Southwest Hungary. Gideon and Yoli Ola are Hungarians and uh, he pastors that church there we helped them out with just all the different aspects of church ministry sarah spent a lot of time working with the kids ministry and then helping to train the ladies in the church who taught the kids as well and uh, she helped them put together uh, children's curriculum and help teach uh, just the philosophy of children's ministry in a church those two boys daniel and octila the brothers there. They got saved about three years ago, and then Dominique got saved through Vacation Bible School about three years ago, and uh, th- they come faithfully to church each week, and they're a part of what's going on there. We also spent a lot of time with the teen group in the church, and we would have an activity with them twice a month about, and uh, those fellowship times were just really important for them. They don't have a lot of quality kids to hang out with, um, at the public school and different, wherever they are in their neighborhood. And uh, so that fellowship was really important for them, and they had um, relationships among each other that were really important as well. We also put together service activities for them, and our goal was to uh, just provide the means for them to take steps of faith in their life and see God and use them spiritually in other people's lives. And uh, they really had a great attitude toward that. We did missions trips and vacation Bible schools and visited people. Um, helped out at church events. Every year they would do a missions conference presentation on a particular mission field or a missionary. And um, we also put together a a devotional book where they could write down what God spoke to them about in their devotional reading and then what they were going to do about that. And uh, several of them took that pretty seriously. And It was really neat to see what they wrote about what God was teaching them in their daily life and their devotions. That was really neat. We also did Bible studies with the teen group, and uh, we had a Sunday school class with them as well, and uh, they just had a really tender heart toward all of those things and a great attitude toward it. We had the young adult group in the church over to our home once a month as well and uh, did a Bible study with them, and uh, we had a lot of fun with them. Those young people really are the future of Hungary, and uh, it's exciting to me to just see the, the heart that most of them have toward, toward God, toward being used of God, and I'm looking forward to what God is going to do in their lives in the future. I hope you pray for them. There's a lot of challenges growing up in a country like that, um, but there's a lot that God can do through their lives as well. Sarah taught the ladies, and uh, she also put together some, help, or helped the ladies in the church put together some ladies' outreach activities and events and invitations and those kind of things, and uh, they really appreciated her influence there. Music ministry was a big part of what we did there. We put together a Christmas and Easter program each year, and uh, we didn't have a whole lot of new contacts come to those events, um, but we had a lot of people's family members and unsaved friends and things like that, and it was a great opportunity to share the gospel with them each year. Uh, Nursing home ministry was a part of what we did there as well, in a local nursing home. There in Hungary, and a lot of what we did was just working with people one on one, and we had people in our home. We went to other people's homes, and those were uh, primarily just speaking Hungarian times um, with different people in the church, different people we were um, trying to reach, different things like that. And uh, we, we really had a lot of good memories from that, and. and The hospitality aspect of the ministry is really important over there in Hungary. I think probably anywhere outside of America it's like that. Um, But people enjoy uh, you having them over to their home and uh, sitting down and talking with them about everything in their life. They're really those kind of people. And uh, the Lord gave us an apartment that was about a one-minute walk from the church, and we were able to just use that as a place of ministry there in Najkanija. And it was a really special place for us. Uh, we're praying that God is going to give us a, a place like that in Budapest. And we got to visit the church folks in their homes as well. Um, Yoji and Emma are really traditional Hungarian family. They like the bread with the lard on it and those kind of things. And uh, we had a lot of fun with them. They're really sweet people. And uh, we enjoyed that that personal interaction. The church there in Nodzka does a vacation Bible school outreach each summer in a 10-story apartment building complex neighborhood. And... We put together a format where each of the young people in the church could have their own team of kids throughout the week and just get to know them and minister to them. And we had some of the folks in the church like Tibor and Ricci, They took off work that week to be a part of it. And we had about 90, at least 90 percent of the church members involved in that outreach. That was really neat. And um, it was a really great way to introduce the church and the the gospel to the community and help them understand what we're doing there in their town, um, just in their neighborhood, in an open way. It was a really good opportunity for that. Uh, David Gideon's son Did a teen outreach a couple of those years, and we had a great group of teens come to that as well. They, I think most of them had never gone to church in their life, but they sat there and they listened to this confrontational gospel message, and quite a few of them got saved afterwards, and that was really neat to see. You can see the group of teenagers there that we had. And then um, the last couple of years we were there, Yoli did a, a ladies table for the moms and grandmoms of the, the kids that were there at Vacation Bible School. She was able to lead these three ladies to the Lord and uh, also uh, Edith and Krista. Edith, the lady on the left, and her son Dominique were baptized about a month and a half ago, something like that. And uh, they're a part of the church there now. We also did a Friday night closing program each year, and it was kind of a special time for the kids, and we had about, I don't know, six or seven families each year come to that and stay afterwards and talk to the church folks, and it was just a great time to connect with the people in that community. Um, preaching was a big part of my ministry over there. I preached in English for the first three years there, and then this past year I started preaching in Hungarian, which is a blessing. We also did a lot of post-box outreaches, putting John Romans in people's mailboxes and things like that. And uh, there is a great need in Hungary for God to raise up spiritual leaders, especially men, in these churches. And uh, I do hope you pray for that as well. We're praying for God to use our kids uh, in his work as we're over there. God gave us Andrew in 2018, and he was born with Down syndrome. And so we have done a lot of extra therapy and things like that with him over there and in the states and he's been a blessing to us he's with us everywhere we go um, visiting people being at church um, getting involved in things they really uh, love him over there as well and then God gave us Katie uh, this January she's about eight months old and we are thankful for the two of them and and as long as they're in our home there in Hungary it is God's will for them to be missionaries in Hungary And, and God has a a role for them over there in our family. And I do hope you, you pray for that and pray for them um, just to adjust to all the things going on in the mission field. Well, this past February, we, we left Najkhanesha and uh, moved out of our apartment. This was our moving van. Um, and uh, we studied the language pretty much full-time, four or five days a week. We moved up to the Budapest area, went to a language school um, in another city. And the Lord gave us this rental property that was big enough to have church fellowships at, to have groups from our home church come over there, and uh, big enough to have um, a couple young ladies from our home church be able to stay with us and help with Andrew so that Sarah could go to language school. That was really neat. Uh, Andrew enjoyed moving up to Budapest. He really likes riding the buses and public transit up there and going to the park and his his highlight was the Budapest Petting Zoo. They have one of the best petting zoos in the world there in Budapest. And uh, he had a lot of fun with that. Independent Baptist Church of Dunakesi is a, a little independent Baptist church in the Budapest suburbs pastored by Gideon's brother-in-law, Ervin Andrashik. And uh, we were able to be a part of their ministry there this past year. And uh, then uh, Clara came and helped us for about... 10 weeks and then Emily was with us for about five and a half months and they lived in our home and just did exercises and things with Andrew and helped cook for us and lots of different practical things um, to, so that we could be effective over there in Hungary. We're really thankful for them and uh, that was a big sacrifice for them to do. And uh, the the little church there, Independent Baptist Church of Duna they let us um, get involved in the ministry there as well. They let me preach in Hungarian there. They helped me with that, and they were really patient with that. And uh, it was a huge opportunity just to, to grow in my language ability. I'm really thankful they did that. And um, it was just a, a blessing to be immersed in the language there. Um, Pastor Ervin and his wife don't speak English at all, so it was just a Hungarian-speaking interaction with them. And um, that was a that was a huge help to us as well. And we're looking forward to uh, just having a continual relationship with them as well. Um, the, the the part of Budapest that we want to plant a church in is about 15 minutes from where they they live, and um, I think they'll be <laughs> an encouragement to us in the future. And it's it's nice to have people like that to work with over there, and uh, especially Hungarians. Um, that's a huge advantage. And they loved Andrew as well in that church. He had a lot of fun there um, being with the, the church people. Budapest is a beautiful city. There's a lot of history there, um, a lot of beautiful buildings, architecture, and those kind of things. The 15th District is a pretty dense residential area on the northeast side of the city. There's a lot of these 10-story apartment building um, complexes there, um, really a, a dense concentration of people. And we're looking for a home that God can give us in that area that we can use to base out for a, a church plant there. And uh, we're just trusting God to provide that. We really need, um, the Lord just in this next, in these next few months here just to give us the key contacts there in those neighborhoods. Um, people that are open to the gospel, people that will uh, commit themselves to Jesus and uh, follow Him and be part of that church plant and um, you, you you know, you can't just ring all 60 buzzers in one of those buildings and try to talk to everybody. You, you need a creative way to kind of um, meet people and get in there. And we just need God to open doors like that. The Catholic Church has been in Hungary for a thousand years. They have a lot of influence there. The Reformed Church is in Hungary. They have about um, maybe 15% of the population would go There and then, the 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 Lutheran Church is kind of the most liberal evangelical denomination. They have lady preachers and the whole thing. And um, this lady preaches in the Baptist Union churches in Budapest. She preaches in the Reformed Church. She just, I mean, she's kind of the spiritual leader in that area a little bit. And um, there really is a need for for there to be clarity about the gospel and about the truth. And there's a need for God to raise up a, a fundamental Baptist, independent Baptist church planting movement there in the country. And we're looking forward to partnering with Hungarian men who want to be a part of that and helping them, um, encouraging them as much as we can. That's really long-term what we want to be doing in the country there, and I do hope you pray for that. Um, If you have any questions about what we're doing over there or or hungry or anything, do feel free to ask us at the table back there. We'd love to answer those questions for you um, the best that we can. And um, the the biggest goal as we go back there, or or I should say the long-term goal over there, is to be able to have a... A spiritual influence relationship with Hungarian men who want to plant churches there in the country that 's really the, um, the long term goal there in Hungary. Um, the goal is not necessarily for uh, myself to plant a whole bunch of churches in Hungary. That's, um, I mean, that you know, that's a good thing. But um, what we what we're really burdened to do is to come alongside and encourage Hungarian men who want to do that in their country. And it's it's really the it's the will of God for there to be an indigenous church planting movement there um, that is based on. Bible conviction. It's based on the truth. It understands biblical separation and all these things. Um, but it's made up of Hungarians. That's what God wants. And, and um, you, you know, it's in America, we have that basically. Um, we train our own people here. We send out missionaries here. Um, you don't have people coming here from other countries making that happen necessarily. And and that's God's vision for the mission field. It's his vision for Hungary. And uh, we've had the privilege this past turn to work with two different men, uh, Gideon and, and Erwin, uh, who are Hungarians in that country pastoring independent Baptist churches. That's been a great advantage. We've learned a lot um, just from being working with them and being in those churches. I'm, I'm really thankful for that. And uh, we're looking forward to, to, to young men especially that God is going to raise up um, to be a part of that movement as well and we want to be able to to train them, encourage them, help them. Um the first step in that is is really developing that spiritual influence and in that relationship um with men like that. It's it's a really um, it's a humbling thing for a, a, somebody on the foreign mission field to say, "I need this guy to come into my life from America and help train me for the ministry." Like that's um, that's that's a huge step for somebody to take, and uh, I think a lot of times Americans don't appreciate that necessarily. But um, I know it's it's uh, it, it's been difficult for me to understand that um, just the the perspective that they come from over there. But it's it's a huge thing for a Hungarian man to say, not not just um, you know, "I want your help." Help, or I want you to, you know, send me through a Bible institute or something. But to actually say, I want to be what you are, and you have something in your life, and you have a, a spiritual maturity and a, a conviction that I want to have in my life, and I want you to influence me spiritually. That's that's a huge step for somebody to take, and uh, we really need God to work in that way. Um, us planting a church in Budapest is part of that. It's really uh, kind of the, uh, the the key first step in that. We do need to um, actually do um, church planting um, ourselves and uh, have experience in that in order to uh influence hungarian men who want to plant churches that's um really the goal of that and uh, uh it would be kind of awkward i think and just the way things are there it would be awkward for us to just say you know okay who wants to go you know plant a church out there i can tell you how to do that without actually having done that so um we're going to uh, do that initially i would love to partner with hungarian people in that if god puts that together um the churches there are pretty small the ones that are independent baptist churches um, and so I, you know, I, I can't necessarily assemble a team of people to go do this. Um, but you know, if God were to lay it on somebody's heart to uh, partner with us in that, that would be tremendous. Um, we have, um, like, like I said, the church there in Dunakesi is about 15 minutes away. We'll be connected with them um, in this as well. And uh, my friend Zoli is planting a church on the west side of Budapest. He's about half an hour away from us. In the same city. So there's a there's a team of us that are kind of connected there in that place, uh, which is an advantage and a help as well. And uh, I do hope you pray for these next few steps. The, the scariest part of it really is um, just getting out there and talking to people in Hungarian. Um, It's uh, it's it's scary enough to do that in English in America. Right? I mean, to you know, to start a spiritual conversation with somebody that you've never met before, or even somebody that you do know. um, That's a you know, humanly speaking, that's a scary thing. And it's you know, to do that in a foreign language that you don't speak perfectly, um, that's a that's a big hurdle as well. And uh, we're really trusting that in these next few months, when we first return, we're going to return to that rental house when we come back in November. And we just, we just need to, uh, spend time talking with our neighbors, with the people in that village there, with the people that we know, and, um, just get used to, to not just, I mean, it's easy to, like, talk to a Hungarian grandma and you can stand there at the fence and let her tell you about her life and, you know, go on and on like this. Um, but it's, you know, to actually direct the conversation spiritually and ask spiritual questions of people, that, that's a different level of, of conversation in Hungarian for us. Um, so we really want to practice that when we go back over there initially and, um, of, of course, incorporate that into the, the church plant there in Budapest. So um, we do appreciate your prayers. We appreciate what uh, this church does to support us um, financially as well. And uh, we appreciate your, uh, your gift to us back there. Andrew really liked those trains. He had a lot of fun with that. I know he's going to like that and um the other things in there and uh the the hotel you have for us up there in commerce is really nice we've appreciated being able to stay there and um we're thankful for the relationship that we have with you all and in the time that we have would you turn to second corinthians chapter 4 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul was a church planter. He was was an apostle. He was establishing New Testament Christianity. He was a part of that. He was part of writing the New Testament. Um, One of the men that God used to do that. And establish the doctrinal basis for Christianity. But he was a missionary. He went to places that didn't have a New Testament church, functioning New Testament church, and he planted a church there. And he, uh, was involved in, in many different cities all over the, the Roman Empire. And he had a tremendous impact in the first century there. And he's really, uh, the one who founded this whole idea of, of missions. And, uh, Taking the gospel to a place that doesn't have it and establishing a foundation, uh, for what a church is and a congregation there, ordaining men to the ministry, uh, to leadership there in those churches. And, uh, the book of 2 Corinthians in a lot of ways is, is Paul's personal testimony of, uh, of his own life and how he carried out his ministry. And in chapter 4, he, he introduces this, uh, concept of life and death. And uh, that's an interesting thing to think about uh, when it comes to the ministry. You know, Jesus Christ said it this way. He said, uh, If any man w- uh, follow me, let him, let him uh, 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 t- take up his cross. Let him deny himself. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Um, that's the Christian life. Um, following jesus is not a it's not a trend it's not a fad it's not a movement it's not it's not all of these different things that uh people make it in christianity today following jesus christ involves me or you laying down your life saying god this is not my life anymore i might as well be dead because i'm not in control of this life anymore and it's and it's you instead it's your life and see to do anything for God, it's going to involve decisions like that. It's going to involve decisions of, of, of death to ourselves and, and experience instead the life of Jesus Christ. That's how ministry is carried out. Paul said it this way in Galatians 2. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 11, beginning there, For we which live are always delivered unto death for Jesus' sake, that the life also of Jesus might be made manifest in our mortal flesh. So then death worketh in us, but life in you. That's how Paul carried out his ministry. It, it, it was a ministry of death and life. It was a ministry of the Apostle Paul laying everything down for the cause of Jesus Christ. Laying down himself and taking Jesus' life instead. That, that's a powerful thing to think about. That's something that God wants to do in the life of every single believer. He wants us to experience that life. Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, "...that I may know him... And the power, and the power of His resurrection, and the fellowship of His sufferings, being made conformable unto His death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. And see, see, Paul understood this. If if I'm going to have the power of God on my life, if I'm going to see God do anything through my life, if I'm going to have spiritual life as a believer, it's going to involve uh, this this step of death to myself. It's not going to be a, a 50-50 thing with God. It's not going to be, God, you can have this part of my life, you can have this part of my life, but God, you can't have this part of my life over here. It's going to be a complete surrender and a death to everything that I am and everything that I'm capable of doing, and I'm going to take Jesus' life instead. That's, that's the Christian life. And he says in verse number 13, we having the same spirit of faith. See, it takes faith to do that. That's a really scary thing to do. Nobody likes to die. You know, there's, there's a whole lot of people in this country right now that are absolutely scared to death of dying. And they think somehow that the government of this country is going to keep them from dying. And, and, and look, you know, Satan uses the fear of death through people's entire lifetimes to keep them in bondage, as, as it says in Hebrews chapter 2. And see, this, this fear of death is the exact opposite of faith. You see, you and I, naturally, as human beings, we want to hang on to this life of ours. We really do. We, we really like this. Okay. And, you know, maybe we're not doing drugs. Maybe we're not, you know, drinking alcohol and looking at pornography and doing all this other stuff. But, you know, we, we like this life of ours. We like this, uh, lifestyle, especially that we have here in America. I mean, we got, we got money in America. We got security in America. We got a house in America. We got a car. We got a nice job and a career and, and all of these things going on. And see, we like that. We like ourselves. We put a lot of time into making ourselves nice. We put a lot of time into what we look like, even on the outside. And see, we really love this life of ours. And see, to to be able to lay that life down and say, I want Jesus' will and I want his life instead of my life. That's a step of faith. That's That's a leap of faith. That is that is stepping out into something that is is absolutely totally scary. It really is. And uh and, and Paul quotes in, in verse number thirteen, he, he quotes this Old Testament passage. He says, We have the same spirit of faith according as it is written, I believed and therefore have I spoken. We also believe and therefore. Speak. You know, one of the great ways that you know that the Bible is the word of God and that it is true is that you can take what the Bible says and you can believe it and you can obey it. And then what God says in the Bible will happen to you actually happens to you. That's a powerful thing. Um, we, I, you know, I was, I was talking to my language teacher, the, the one that we had this past year, and um he's a, you know, a, the folks that teach language over there are just, you know, progressive, liberal, you know, humanistic, modern people, okay? And um, you know, he was he was he was telling me, you know, uh, I believe in science. You know, I believe in things that you can, uh, you know, observe and all of these things. And see, you know, there's a lot of people that have that attitude today. You know, I, I'm only going to believe in something if I can, uh, you know, see it and test it, and if you know some scientist out there says that this is true. You know, there's a lot of things that scientists don't know about. That's a really scary thing if you're going to put your faith in science. Okay, I mean, they they think they understand everything about the climate of our planet. Yet they can't tell you where a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico is gonna go before it goes there. They can't tell you that. They have no idea what's going on with a lot of that stuff. You know, nobody has any idea what happened at the beginning of the universe. Okay, nobody was there. But see, with the Bible, you can take what God says in this book and, and see everybody is born with this conscience of, uh, of guilt of their sin. And everybody has this uh, idea that there's some kind of consequence, especially death for, for the wrong things that they've done. And see, everybody is pursuing an answer to that. And see, the Bible says that if you put your faith in Jesus Christ... As he said, he that believes on me has everlasting life. He said, uh, he that believeth on me shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death onto life. And see, if you believe on him, he gives you eternal life. And you can know that. And the greatest evidence that somebody has eternal life is that they're no longer looking for it. Okay? Even though everyone else in the world is looking for it. See, you could take, and it's not just salvation, you could take everything in the Bible and you could you could actually do what it says and God will do what He says in this book. You can actually test it. And you can come to conclusions about that if you want to. It's a powerful thing. And see, what Paul says is, I believed and therefore have I spoken. What that means is, I believed all of these promises that if I lay down my life for Jesus Christ, He's going to give me His life in its place and I'm not going to be disappointed by that. And because he believed that, he says, therefore have I spoken. And he's about to give his testimony here in verses uh, 14 through 18 here. But see, the only kind of people that have the kind of testimony that Paul had are the kind of people who take that step of faith to say, I'm going to lay down my life and I'm going to see what God can do through me if I do that. And the people that believe God have the ability to turn around and speak and say, I know this God and he's personal to me that's a powerful thing that's a scary thing you know i, I remember as a, a young person growing up there there were quite a few times uh in my life that god brought me to this point of death um i remember going to a, uh an evangelistic kind of camp at the beginning of the school year when i was 17 and um my parents are both safe people. My dad got saved in 2001 shortly after 9-11. My mom got saved as a teenager. Um, but they come from really messed up families, and uh, they had a lot of baggage in their home. And as a, as a young person, I was bitter about a lot of things, and uh, especially in relationship to mom and dad. And as a 17-year-old kid, I sat in that evangelistic service, and the, the preacher, I don't even remember everything he talked about, but he dealt with this issue of surrender and especially your relationship with mom and dad and this deal of uh, of submission to their authority and bitterness. I remember struggling with that and saying, you know, my mom and dad, you know, there, there's hypocrisy there. I don't really feel like agreeing with that. And I don't really like uh, everything that's going on in my home. But, you know, the, the God got a hold of my heart and it was a decision of life and death. It was a decision to say, God, I don't want this life of mine anymore. I want what you can give me instead. And I, I remember being scared to death of that. You know, what is God going to ask me to do if I surrender to him? Is, is he going to want me to, you know, go sit in front of my mom and dad and apologize for my attitude? Is he going to want me to go uh, tell them about things that I've done behind their back? Is he going to want me to uh, uh, submit to their authority for the rest of my life? Is he going to want me to uh, maybe give a testimony in front of all the other kids in that school about what God is going to do in my life? And, that, and that's a scary thing. And it feels like death, those kind of decisions. But see, when you surrender to God and and you lay down your whole life and you say, God, you want me to do this and I'm going to do this, you experience his life and that's a powerful thing. I I remember feeling the joy of God at that time. And I, I stood in front of all the other kids in that youth group and I said, I'm going to follow God with my life and I'm not going to be like all these other kids in the youth group that are doing all this other stuff. And, God began to work in my life in a powerful way at that point. I began to, uh, to read the, the, the Bible and my devotions, and God actually spoke to me from the Bible. That was a powerful thing. He ought to do that. You know, if you can read a chapter in the Bible, and um, you can read more than a chapter in the Bible a day, but if you could know, if, if, if read a chapter in the Bible and have it not move you and do something in your life, I mean, that's, that's a really scary thing spiritually. It ought to do something. It's the Word of God. And see, I experienced the life of God. And, you know, when I, I remember when God called me to preach, I was working as a, a bus captain at our church after I had graduated from college with, a, with an engineering degree. And I met an evangelist, and he spent the afternoon on my bus route with me, just talking with me, visiting folks on our bus route. And I... I remember getting alone with God that night and 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 just wrestling with this this idea of the call to the ministry, the call to be a preacher. And I, I said to God, I said, if, if you want me to be like that evangelist, if if you want me to be a preacher, then I want you to do that with my life. And the peace of God just just flooded my heart at that time. It was it was just a remarkable thing, and it, and it's. It's not the same as getting saved necessarily, but it's a personal interaction with God where you you lay down your life completely and you experience His life in return. I'm thankful for that. And see, the way anything happens on the mission field is through this principle. It's it's, it's not that those of us who are out there on the mission field are, are somehow more talented or more educated than other people. We're not out there on the mission field because we were born with this great ability to go speak to people about the gospel. It's it's not like that. We're out there on the mission field because there were different steps in our lives where we said, God, it's not my life anymore. It's your life. And we experience his life in a powerful way. You see, Jesus Christ is not afraid to talk to people about the gospel. I'm scared to death to talk to people about the gospel. I don't like knocking on people's doors. I mean, that's that's insane. Okay, I mean it really is. I mean this. I mean this 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 family in this neighborhood, like you know, they're 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 not sitting there on, uh, at uh, you know at six thirty on a Monday night saying, "Man, I hope somebody from Falls Baptist Church comes and knocks on their door." Nobody's doing that. Everybody's got other stuff going on. You know, here comes this wacko from the Baptist church in their area, knocking on their doorstep at 6.30 in the evening and trying to talk about spiritual things. I mean, they, they probably never thought about spiritual things in their whole life, maybe, some of those people. And here I am, standing here on their doorstep. They didn't invite me here. They didn't ask me to come share the gospel with them here. I mean, that's it's insane what, what we do, okay? But see, when you when, you know, there's there's two ways of looking at that. You can either gut it out, and you can say, well, you know, I'm going to be this you know great evangelist, and I'm just going to go pound on every door in this city, and I'm going to go get people saved, and I'm going to go uh, you know memorize all these like you know quick arguments to give people, and you know, I'm going to um, I don't want to. I'm not going to use any examples of what people do out there. Okay, but, you know, it's, you know, you know I mean, you, you can either try to, you know, gut it out and make this thing happen and say, you know, I'm not going to be as scared. I'm going to have the power of God on my life. Okay. And that only goes so far to do it like that. But see. You could also look at Monday Night Soul Winning and say, God, there's nothing that I have in my life to give to these people. God, I don't even understand why I'm standing there on this guy's doorstep. But God, if you want to do something through my life through this, then God, I'm willing to let you do that. And I'm willing to trust in your power and your ability and your wisdom and all of this. And you could experience his life. That's a powerful thing. The first lady I ever led to Christ at Bible college after I went back to study for the ministry, I think her name was Natasha, and uh, she she worked at a, a group home for handicapped um, adults in Milwaukee. And we went through this evangelism training thing there at Baptist College of Ministry, and I uh i had this little bookmark that had the salvation outline on it and and i was i was praying that god would give me somebody to lead to christ and i knew that i i didn't have the ability to do those things but i uh, i just asked a basic question of this lady you know do you know for sure you know if you were to die today or five years from now if you you would have eternal life in heaven and she said no, and, and she allowed me to sit down and, and share the gospel with her there in that group home. And I, I took that bookmark, and I literally read the gospel outline to her off of that bookmark. And she got saved. And, and and see, it's 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 not because of some kind of great, fancy outline. It's not because of some powerful evangelism training or, or whatever. It's just the gospel that saves people. When you and I are willing to say God it's it's not my life it's not my ability it's not myself I want your life. He can do powerful things through your life. And see Paul's testimony was this and I, and I like to just just read through it here. He says beginning in verse 14 knowing this is this is Paul speaking what God has done as he laid his life down and experienced the life of Jesus. He says knowing that he which raised up the Lord Jesus shall raise up us also by Jesus and shall present us with you. You know, eternity was real to the Apostle Paul. Eternity was real to him. You know, you want eternity to be something real to you. You have to lay your life down and experience the life of Jesus Christ. You know, we live in this temporal world. You know, we go to work or we go to school or something. We have a place we live. We have this, this whole universe that we live in around us all the time. But see, there's, there's an eternity beyond this place. And when you surrender your life completely to God and experience His life instead, eternity becomes something real. And heaven becomes something real. That's a powerful thing. Paul says in verse 15, "...for all things are for your sakes." Speaking to the people in the church plant in Corinthia, in in Corinth. All things are for your sakes that the abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. You know, part of laying down your life and letting God use you is having an eternal spiritual impact on other people that glorifies God for all eternity. You know, That's something worth giving your life to. I remember wrestling with this question. I I remember crying out to God and saying, God, I want my life to mean something someday. Do you want your life to mean something for eternity? Do you want to be able to get to the end of your life and say, my life mattered for God. I, I did what God wanted me to do with my life. And it meant something. I wasn't just a really smart person. I wasn't just a really uh, intelligent, uh, beautiful, handsome, friendly person. But I actually accomplished something with my life for God that matters for eternity. Paul was able to say that to those people in Corinth. And he says this in verse 16 for which cause we faint not, but though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. He calls it light affliction compared to what God did in his life, you know. I don't regret surrendering to the call to preach. I I, I don't sit there and, and say, man, you know, I wish I hadn't surrendered my life to God. I don't ever regret that. I have no desire to go back to what I was as an unsurrendered, bitter teenage kid. I have no desire to be that again. There's a whole lot of people in this world like that, and they're absolutely miserable. I don't regret surrendering my life to God. You know what, whatever sacrifice I've had to go through, whether it's popularity or whether it's a financial sacrifice or whether, you know, whatever it is, it's nothing. And see, there, there's hard things about being a missionary and, and taking your family over to another country and learning this foreign language and and living with people that you can't communicate with and uh, you know trying to uh, just do all the legal stuff and the financial things you got to do in another country and it's not familiar to you. There's there's sacrifices involved in that for sure. There's there's sacrifices involved in ministering to people spiritually. You know, people have a lot of baggage and junk in their lives and they have a lot of wacky ideas about the Bible and you know there's. there's Sacrifices that uh, that come from uh, working personally with with people, but see, you know, none of that even compares to the awesome privilege that it is to serve God with your life and see His power on your life and see Him do something through you. That's an incredible privilege, and it takes faith. Do you want to have that kind of a testimony with your life? Do you want to be able to, to tell other people, here, here this is how I laid down my life and myself for God. And this is what God did through me instead. Do you want to be able to say that with your life? It's a powerful thing. See, there's situations in all of our lives where God is calling us to do that. And it's, you know, there's, there's a general part to that, but there's also a specific part to it. You know, it may be a sin that God wants you to die to. It may be a, a dream that God wants you to die to. It may be uh, just this, this own idea of what my life is that God wants you to die to. It may be a specific step of of ministry that God wants you to surrender to. And you would say, God, I don't think I have the ability to speak to those people or teach those people or disciple those people or do whatever. But God, I'm just going to lay down my life. And if you want to fill me with your life and power, then I want you to do that. Whatever that decision is, God wants us to believe Him. And He wants us to experience life out of death like this. And spend our lives doing things that matter for eternity. Let's pray, Father.